1: touchdown to win it Mahomes looks to throw it pump faking right side he wants it a comeback cut it is caught by Kelsey touchdown Kansas City one of the greatest duos in the history of the National Football League Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey on a push fade comeback and the Chiefs have won this incredible divisional playoff game in overtime
0: Tuesday edition of PFTPM, Miles Simmons, Mike Florio here with you, Miles in Palm Beach, West Palm Beach, to be specific, Technically, Williams, drawing the short straws and having to go to Florida in late March, where it's actually pretty cold here, so Florida sounds pretty good right about now, we're here for a full hour, and there's a lot to talk about, Miles, how has your experience been in sunny Florida, as opposed to sunny and dystopian California?
2: Well, dystopian i mean i you know I'm a, I'm a clevelander that's now like living in socal and this is a little too hot for me mike i'm not gonna lie you know you come out of the little media tent the last couple of days and you're just bombarded by the sun and it's like 77 80 degrees creeping up to maybe 82 83 84 85 it's a little too hot for me and i feel the humidity you know, when we're in Southern California, as they say it's a dry heat. And so now here, I'd say I'm ready to go back to California. And I don't know if you saw my tweet. I saw it. About you have a dragon. Reptile. You have a pet dragon. Oh my god. Whatever reptile that was that was outside my window. It's gone now, but uh yeah, I don't I don't usually see anything like that in California.
0: You know where it went?
2: I don't know. I don't think I want to know.
0: I was going to say Baltimore. Oh. Since it's the anniversary. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you named it. There, there you go. You like that? You'd slap me if we were together, though. That's the reality. No Ravens jokes. Keep the miles. Browns
2: name out
0: of your <laughs> mouth. <laughs> thank you for not actually quoting. In uh, One way it doesn't matter. The okay. other way, thank you very much. I've been testing the limits recently. I, I said something today recently. that I shouldn't have said. Chris Sims said today. something today, yesterday, he said, I'm full of something. So I think we're starting to realize <laughs> well, this Peacock are. thing. You know, if you watch some of the movies on Peacock, it's F bomb galore. So it's not like yeah. we are on an FCC regulated network. We can basically say whatever they want. So what if they have to change the ratings? So what change the ratings? Make it TVMA. Life is rated R. Miles Simmons. <laughs> Life is rated R. Rules to live by. All right. Uh, okay. So. Today, big news. Hey, they finally get it right. Golf clap. Golf, got to get the right speed. Got to get a metronome. Golf clap for the NFL. It took them 12 years to get it right. Half measure in 2010. They knew that overtime was broken. They partially fixed it. And now, 12 years later, after time and again, especially in the postseason, win the coin toss in overtime, take the ball, win the game, with a couple of exceptions, but for the most part, Hey, in a playoff game with a good quarterback, a good offense, the rules skewed in the favor of the offense, you're more likely to score. Nobody ever chooses to kick in overtime. Now, new overtime rules, both teams are guaranteed a possession. I love it, Miles.
2: You know, it's funny you say that, you know, the rules first changed in 2010. I didn't even realize it's been that long that 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 wool had been changed and i you know I'm, that makes sense after the way brett it was brett Favre, right and the vikings that got that thing changed in the first place was it not or was that something yeah. am i think of something else what no it was of? the
0: 2009 nfc championship game the bounty gate game as we would learn two years after the fact they right. go to overtime the saints win the coin toss. They get a decent return. There's a couple of questionable illegal contact penalties. And the next thing you know, they're in position for, I think, Garrett Hartley, if that name rings a bell. And maybe it, it does. does. Or Hartley Garrett, I don't know, kicks the walk-off field goal, and that's it. And that was the first time yeah. it ever happened in a high-stakes game like that. The potential had been there just a year earlier. The season ends. Tampa, first Super Bowl I ever attended covering it for PFT before we were even part of NBC. I remember standing there thinking, I want chaos. I was root for chaos, sorry, but through chaos comes change, positive and needed uh-huh. change. I was rooting for the Steelers to get a field goal and go to overtime and the team that wins the coin toss get a walk-off field goal and that would have fixed it then, but it didn't happen. Obviously, Ben Roethlisberger to San Antonio Holmes, the Steelers win the game, it happens the next year, and they changed it right away, changed it right away. But since then, it took the Bills Chiefs game to get people to finally realize this may be a problem. It's amazing it took as long as it did, Miles.
2: But I don't know. It wasn't really a problem. I don't know. I mean, like I, I, I go back and forth on it. And you know, it was funny, like listening to Kyle Shanahan talk about it today, where he said the, the rules are the rules, and we just have to. That's abide a cop by out, them. though. That's, that's a cop fine. out.
0: That's I mean, a cop out. I, I hate it could that. Be. Fine. the rules. Are you the, can rules. Hate it. the rules are meant to be changed. Okay,
2: yes, no, it absolutely can be changed. I don't have any problem with the rules changing, but I mean, like, and I understand that in this day and age where, you know, the game is supposed to favor the offense, the rules all favor the offense, especially if you're in the postseason where you have a good quarterback, you are extremely likely to go down the field and score once you get to overtime. We've seen it time and again, right? And frankly, the Chiefs could have done a way better job of doing it In the AFC Championship game, and they would have been in the Super Bowl and not the Bengals. So, fine, I get it. But at the same time, there's a chance for you to play defense. I like Mike Tomlin. You know, I like sudden death. I don't fear sudden death. Win the game in regulation sometimes, right? Like that, to me, I get it. But also, if we're gonna do this, then fine, let's do it for the postseason. We don't need to see it in the regular season, all right? Especially if, you know, a game has to go, you know, 10 minutes in overtime. Like Those things have effects for the weeks after and the weeks after. So, in the game as right. quickly as possible in the regular season. Right. In the postseason, I get it. Let's make sure everybody has a possession. Fine.
0: But that's the rule. They didn't change it for the regular season. You're complaining about something that didn't happen.
2: I'm not complaining. I'm, I'm saying that if they were going to do it, I'm glad they did it this way. Here's yeah, Not everything a- is a complaint that comes out of my mouth like it is with
0: you, Mike. Here's here's an observation I have that can't be regarded as a complaint. I think these guys are very sensitive to saying anything that would create the impression that they're whining about the rules, that they're not tough enough or or sturdy enough to just deal with the rules. That whole Mike Tomlin thing, that's part of his bit. That's part of his way. And maybe it's who he is. Maybe it's not a facade. But I'm not surprised that Mike Tomlin would say that. My point is, and it has been, you got to set aside what your own personal preferences are. You got to set aside things like, well, them's the rules. You got to say, look, what's best for the game? What's the most fair outcome for the game? And I was concerned it wouldn't pass, Miles, because I think there is a mentality out there recognizing that every bad rule gets applied in a good way for one of the two teams. It's a bad rule, it's unfair, but you know what? For the team that wins the coin toss in overtime, I got no complaints about it, and I got a 50-50 chance of winning the coin toss. So that was what made me concerned that teams wouldn't support this because ultimately they don't care about fair. They just care about equal. And we have an equal chance of benefiting from this bad rule as we do being hurt by it. And that sometimes causes teams, especially the teams that have been burned by it in the past, to say, eh, you know what, I'd like to stick uh, keep this rule around because the law of averages suggests that I'm going to bet like the Packers. They got burned in 2014, NFC championship, 2015 divisional round, overtime games, coin toss lost, first possession, touchdown game over. That's that. If I'm someone with the Packers, I'm thinking, Hey, you know, we get in the spot again. We win the coin toss and we make up for it. So I'm just glad they did it. I think it's fair and go back to Bill's chiefs. What would have happened? The chiefs would have had to decide to go for one or two. They go for one, let's say, get seven. Bills, drive down the field, score. That's when it's high drama. That's when you get your popcorn ready. That's when you, you hold your breath. Because the Bills have to decide, do we go for one? And if we make it, because it's not 100%, then it's sudden death. We've got to kick off to the Chiefs, and they're going to score again. Do we go for two with a walk-off win or the walk-off loss? That, to me, is fair. That, to me, is exciting. And that's what we're going to have now in these playoff games. Now watch, there won't be a playoff game that goes overtime for 12 more years.
2: <laughs> That's exactly what I said to Shireen today once they pass that thing, You know, as we, as we are sitting here in person as Shireen and I are actually getting to work together for once, which is kind of cool. But yeah, it was the first thing I said is that once this passes now, we are absolutely going to have basically all blowouts, at least for next season. In the postseason. So, I mean, get ready for that, Mike. You know, we try to do something good. At least the league does in your view. And boom, you know, nothing really is going to come of it because it's not going to matter because we're just going to have a bunch of blowout games.
0: Well, yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, in a weird sort of way, that would be fitting. Rich McKay, the chairman of the competition committee, said today that the overtime change was data driven well the data is you you're far more likely to win the game on a first drive touchdown if you win the coin toss it's not high level yeah, so analytics like 10 and two. yeah right and the chiefs bills game was a big factor of course it was that's what caused everyone to say this this change needs to be made and i said after that game one of the first posts i did if they don't do it now they're never going to do it they're never yeah. going to do it because it was one of the best games the nfl has ever seen and it ended prematurely it ended with us wanting more in a bad way not like the Seinfeld hey we want the season uh, the series to end with people wanting more we should have ended it a couple of years earlier then but they, they you know you you want it to be over even if you wish it could have continued like the Chiefs Rams game from 2018 the epic game that was supposed to be in Mexico City that game left me wanting more but I didn't feel like it was an unfair outcome
2: Okay, yeah, because somebody wanted in regulation, but that—that's right. kind of the point of the whole thing. You know, if you went in in regulation, then we don't have to have these conversations. So, if teams are really upset, and it doesn't seem like anybody is—I mean, the vast majority of coaches that spoke this week, including Sean McVay today, he was saying that even if you talk to Andy Reid, he'd probably tell you that this rule needs to be changed in overtime um, for the postseason and something like that. So. They got it. They got it done. And I think they really got it done because they had the narrow focus of it just being for the postseason and not for every single week of the regular season as well.
0: But you know what happened in 2010? In March, they ran this rule change through the half measure. The field goal doesn't win it on the first drive. They actually sent the coaches to the golf course and the owners stayed behind and pushed the rule through. In May of that year, they expanded it from the postseason to the regular season because the coaches mm. said we need the rules to be the same in the regular season and postseason, which, which makes no sense at all. It's already different. You have a tie in the regular season, and it's only 10 minutes now, so they've already made that fundamental change. And you play until somebody you know wins the game in the postseason. So I don't think that's going to happen again because they right. need to get these games over with. I agree with you. And I would be fine because I was willing to say, hey, how about this compromise? One possession each guaranteed in the postseason. Go back to sudden death for the regular season. Let's just get it over with. Get it over with and move yeah. on. You got to be able to heal from the game, win it in regulation, get your victory, and yeah. the coin toss. Yeah, you get a field goal and you'll win. I, and at one point within the past couple of years, in the run up to the league meetings, Miles, they were talking about possibly going back to sudden death. Because I remember thinking, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. If anything, we got to go one possession each. But I'd be fine with sudden death in the regular season, get the games over with and move on. And you know when they'll do it? Here's when they'll do it. When they start looking for more places in the pizza to cram cheese, i.e. Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, more nights of football, more windows. There'll be more occasions where you're playing with six and five days between games. That's when they'll do everything they can to shrink overtime in the interest of health and safety, in the broader interest of having a schedule where they can play games every night of the week, except Friday and Saturday.
2: That's interesting. I think you're probably right about that. I mean, and Wednesday night football is a different topic altogether, but yeah, I I think it makes a lot of sense. If you were to go back to just sudden death for the regular season, just based on the way, as you were saying, like they, they need to get the games over with and you don't necessarily want as many games to go as long as you had with like Raiders chargers in week 18. Right where you're saying, okay, well, we have to play this entire overtime game. And how much of that was kind of a little bit of a disadvantage for the Las Vegas Raiders when they then had to go play in Cincinnati on a Saturday in the first game of the postseason? So, I mean, all these things kind of factor in here, I think.
0: Yeah. um, But the bottom line is good news. The owners get it right. They make the rule change that needed to be made. They put the best interest of the game above all else and uh, and again as we said there won't, won't be another overtime playoff game until the year 2035. <laughs> John Harbaugh may be coaching the Ravens until the year 2035. He's been there since 2008. He's got a 3-year extension through 2025, 137 and 88 and 14 years as the head coach of your Baltimore Ravens, Miles. Uh, look, me. he's underrated, I think John Harbaugh is. He just keeps going. His team's always contend. He adapts. He changes. He's embraced analytics. He doesn't say, get off my lawn. I mean, he's got to be 60 now. He's got that youthful vibe. He, he's going to be the next Pete Carroll, and he's going to be the guy that people who marveled at Pete Carroll being spry and athletic, I think Harbaugh is going to put him to shame in 10 years.
2: Yeah, probably. Look, I mean, my personal feelings about the Ravens aside, and we all know what those personal feelings about those rat birds are. I mean, John Harbaugh has done a very, very good job of crafting a program there right where if you play the Ravens on Sunday on Saturday on Monday on whatever day it happens to be you know exactly what you're going to get from Baltimore Ravens they're going to play strong defense they're going to be strong on special teams and they're going to run the ball at you especially when they've got somebody like Lamar Jackson behind center so you know what you're going to get and like you've said they've been adaptable. They brought in Lamar Jackson when a lot of teams might have said, I don't know exactly how we're going to craft this offense. If this guy's our QB, what they did is they brought him in. They crafted it around him and they made him into an MVP. And I don't think that all 32 teams would have done things the way that the Ravens did them. So I think it's a great thing for that organization, that they have that stability with Harbaugh. And he's certainly earned everything that he's gotten. And if he gets through this uh, three-year extension, which there's no reason really to believe that he wouldn't, at least at this point, he will be through his 18th season with Baltimore. And I think you're right, Mike. I think he's got plenty left in the tank.
0: Other than Bill Belichick, the two longest serving coaches with the same team are in Pittsburgh and Baltimore going Mm -hmm. head-to-head. Twice a year, every year, and both coaches showing an uncanny ability to coach football, to adapt, but fundamentally to connect with guys that have to go out there and give maximum physical effort and focus all the time. And they do it. Their teams, I think, are an embodiment of who they are and how they go about their business. And those two are going to be going at it for years to come. And that's good for football as well. Absolutely. The Ravens have to be happy they have one employee who is at least willing to sit down and negotiate a contract extension. John Harbaugh is. Lamar Jackson segue. is not. And Steve Bisciotti, the owner of the Ravens, was asked about that today. And he said, unless he has a change of heart and calls Eric Dacosta, GM of the team, and says, I'm ready. But it's like Eric can't keep calling him and saying, hey, Lamar. You really need to get in here and get this thing done. Now, Bishotti thinks that the kid is so obsessed with winning a Super Bowl that deep down he doesn't think he's worthy of a second contract. I think he wants to say, now I deserve to be on top. Well, you know what? If that's what he thinks, then he is going about it the wrong way. If that's a true assessment that Lamar Jackson thinks, I don't deserve a second contract until I win a Super Bowl and I say I want to be making more money than anyone else, he's going to eventually, and he already is, risk losing everything, never getting the long-term contract, having his physical skills evaporate before he's ever in a position to get the contract he deserves. And he doesn't understand that doing an extension with a manageable cap number may actually help him win a Super Bowl. So he so desperately needs a good agent He desperately needs good advice. If this were my son, my cousin, my nephew, anyone that I know, anyone that I care about, I would be saying, what are you doing? You're jeopardizing your financial future. You're risking your generational payday for something that makes no sense, whether it's I don't deserve it until I win a Super Bowl or, or, and this is the more strategic view, and I'm not sure he's thinking this way. I'm just putting in my seven years in Baltimore and then I'm going to leave. I hope that's not... His plan. I hope I don't want a Super Bowl or I don't want a new contract to win a Super Bowl's his plan either. His plan should be let's go in and get this done now. They're ready. Let's go do it.
2: Well, Mike, I mean, he should have done it last year. I mean, and like I there's a part of me that kind of understands the whole all right, I'm putting in my seven years of Baltimore, then I'm done, and then I'm gonna go wherever I want, and I'm gonna be on the open market and I'm gonna get this certain kind of contract and da-da-da-da-da. Right, I mean that's what we could call the Kirk Cousins method, you know. And they, but I don't think that that's the same sort of situation that Lamar Jackson is in because Lamar Jackson is an MVP award winner. Kirk Cousins has never been close to an MVP award winner. Right, I don't even know if Kirk Cousins has ever received an MVP, bo- MVP no, vote. no, easy for nope. me to say throughout his entire career, right? So when he was with Washington and he was doing what he was doing with the franchise tag and all that, it's a totally different situation. Lamar Jackson, like I said, won the MVP award in 2019. So that means you're in line to make over $100 million guaranteed, right? Get that done. And if you want to do something with the second contract or what have you, that to me, excuse me, the third contract, then that's a little bit different. Right, where you decide, okay, I'm playing this out and then I'm done with Baltimore. But I think there are only a few shots at getting generational wealth. And the position that Lamar Jackson was in last year, where Josh Allen gets his contract extension and it was over what, 130 some million guaranteed? I don't have it in front of me. But if Josh Allen gets that, he's never won an MVP award. Then you can be, if you're uh, Lamar Jackson, to me, you go in Derek DaCosta's office, Steve Bashotti's office, and you say, Well, listen, Josh Allen has this. I'm better than Josh Allen by a lot of metrics. And the fact that I have an MVP award and he doesn't. So give me a little bit more and let's get this done. And let's guarantee me some generational wealth. I mean, now that. Uh, excuse me, Deshaun Watson has gotten $230 guaranteed, and he's another person who's never won an MVP award, perhaps Lamar Jackson does have a little bit more leverage to walk into that office and say, well, he got that. I'm better. Give me this. Right? Yeah, and I don't don't have 22 civil lawsuits hanging over me. Exactly. So I think this is – if he played the percentages or played the risk or this, that, like this is now the time to get it done. Right? I I just – I hope he does because he's that good of a player. And I want players to get every single cent that they can ever earn. Um, but like this to me, like I said, I would have done it last year, but I, he didn't do it. So now he can do it now. And I, I hope he does. I, I want him to get this done because like I said, it's generational wealth. And if you don't do it and you continue to play and maybe you get hurt again, then that's where you're risking losing out on something like this. And I don't want that for him.
0: Two quick observations. Maybe not quick. We'll right. see how it goes. Number one, number one. They're not usually and I've said quick. this before, but it. I, I'm sorry. You talked so long, I forget what I was going to say. First no. thing I'm going to say. wasn't even
2: about Baker Mayfield.
0: First thing I'm going to say. Um, now I forgot. No, I remember. He has the unique opportunity, if he wants to do it, to set up sit-down meetings with the top quarterback agents. Get the five top quarterback agents or six or seven as many as you want draw the line wherever you want but there are people out there it's not hard to find out who they are the quarterback agents the the people who represent the quarterbacks who have gotten the biggest contracts bring in those folks someone from caa someone from athletes first like david mulugeta todd france bring him in one after another tom condon bring him in sit down and run your strategy by those agents and pick their brains you don't have to hire one of them But you can hold court with them and you can see what they think about what you're doing. And you can you can make sure that you're on the right track or you can listen to their advice. And if all of them are telling you the same thing, if you hear the same thing from all of them. It may be worth listening to. And, Miles, here's what I hope and pray isn't going on, because. I think that guys like Richard Sherman and Russell Okungan, I'm going to I'm going to I'm calling them out. Well, they slap me in the face or not. Those guys got it in their head that they don't want to pay agents and they don't like agents and they're being penny wise and pound foolish because if you don't want to pay that 3%, and I hope this isn't what Lamar Jackson is thinking. I don't want to pay three or two or 1% of my gross take to an agent. I don't want to do that. Well, okay, fine. You're going to get a hundred percent of a lot less than the 97, 98, 99% that you would get. Of what a good agent is going to get for you and that is what this small minority of players and thankfully it hasn't really spread and they try to spread that gospel that gospel of no agent they try their damnedest to get other players to go for and and you know what there's a there's 32 owners that hope it works because they will jam the worst possible deals down your throat the the deal Richard Sherman did On his own for the 49ers was so bad, the NFLPA had to go in and tell the 49ers to fix it. That's how bad it was. When Russell Okun did his first deal with the Broncos on his own, it was embarrassing what the Broncos did to him. That's what happens when you are the one. Look, I don't know how to paint my house. So if I try to paint my house and save a little money, it's going to look like crap. That's why you got to do it. And if Lamar Jackson's focused on winning, stay focused on winning. Get someone else who's focused on getting you the best contract. But I hope he doesn't have it in his head. I don't want to give an agent X percent of my take. I don't want to do that because that's how you end up getting yourself into a spot where you never get the big deal that you should.
2: Well, when he was asked about the contract situation at the end of the season, basically what he said was my entire focus right now is getting healthy. And to an extent, I understand that. I mean, as somebody who missed so much of the end of the season because of an ankle injury. Yeah, of course, your first focus as a player, as a human, is I want to get healthy because I want to be at my peak so I can then go help the Ravens win a Super Bowl. But I think that just speaks to what your point is, is that there should be somebody in your corner. If it's not going to be you, then there should be somebody in your corner fighting for every single cent that you should get as one of the league's top players. And so if he's too focused on getting healthy, which again, like I have no, of course you're focused on getting healthy, right. But if you're going to represent yourself in one of these situations, I, I don't know what the strategy is. I guess what I'm trying to say? Cause he hasn't said what the strategy is and that's fair. He doesn't have to, but at the same time, I, I think that he would benefit probably unless like there's a bigger strategy that I just don't understand. And that's entirely possible, but, Like I said, if it were me, I would have wanted to get this done last year because that's when you can get the first opportunity you have to guarantee yourself generational wealth. You probably should do it. And then, like I said, if you go to the third contract and you still want to make sure you maximize your possible entire value, fine. That's that's different. But I I think if you can guarantee yourself generational wealth, you should take that opportunity. And I would have done that.
0: Absolutely. And he still should. And I have a feeling if he doesn't do it after this year. And, look, I don't know what's going to happen. We never know what's going to happen, and that's part of the fun. At some point, though, yes. the Ravens are going to get exasperated. And all it's going to take is one team with an F-them-picks mindset, like the Dolphins. Let's say the Dolphins <laughs> decide after this year. Two and on, bear with me. Because your team is better off, potentially, if this happens. Let's say that the Dolphins decide after this year that, that two is not the long-term answer, and we've got Tyreek Hill, and we've got Jalen Waddle, and we've got a pretty damn good defense. We've got a coach who knows how to – design a pretty good running game and we'll go get Lamar Jackson and the Ravens say fine you take him you you deal with a guy that won't negotiate a contract with you maybe he'll negotiate one with you he wouldn't negotiate one with us and maybe that's what he wants I don't know this mystery of Lamar Jackson is stunning and unprecedented in this age of quarterbacks getting their money when the window opens if anything it's the teams that resist doing the deal not the players this is the team saying we are ready we are willing we are able please come to the table and negotiate with us and they'll only put up with it for so long and they'll move on eventually they'll move on they'll do it before Lamar Jackson puts in his seven years that's my prediction they'll they'll seize the initiative here and say hey Lamar we've given you every chance you can to, to, to get this done, we're just going to trade you and we're going to start over. We're going to go with Tyler Huntley until we get our next guy here, whoever it may be.
2: They, they're going to the highest levels of the organization. I mean, we're talking about a quote from Steve Bashotti that came out today at the league meetings. So this is not something that usually happens where you have the team's owner saying, hey, please come to the table so we can give you this money. We can give you this generational wealth. You know, we can help change your life, your kids' lives, your grandkids' lives. Like, that's kind of what's happening here. And like I said, we don't know what the strategy is from Lamar Jackson, but it's pretty unprecedented when you have an owner basically saying, look, there's only so many times that our GM is going to call Lamar Jackson and say, hey, are you ready to discuss this? Because we're ready. We want to do this. Let's lock you in. And Lamar Jackson, for whatever reason, and again, we don't know what the strategy is, for whatever reason, he has not come to the table with them.
0: And another thing that Bashadi said today as it relates to the Deshaun Watson contract, five years, $230 million every penny guaranteed. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, first, I don't know. He should have been the first guy to get a fully guaranteed contract. Ouch. Boy. Wow. Take that Browns-Ravens rivalry. Um, and he also acknowledges it's going to make negotiations harder. That's why the Haslam's probably getting the cold shoulder in sunny Florida this week, because they broke ranks. And look, look, there's plenty of collusion that happens in the NFL. And it happens when it comes to players under the guise of the Management Council. These teams always tiptoe around what the Management Council says and what they don't say and what they can do and what they can't do. And that in and of itself is a vehicle for collusion. Well, you know, we got to check with the Management Council. Well, why? You're an independent business. You, you 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 have a CBA and you can do things within the confines of the CBA that you're allowed to do. It's like 2010, the last capped year before the uncapped year. No, it was the uncapped year of 2010. Excuse me, the uncapped year under the CBA right, before, before the, the lockout. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, when when the Cowboys in Washington um, dared to treat the uncapped year as uncapped and then got whacked for it later by the league for daring to take advantage of of their full scope of rights under the cba in an uncapped year so look to on two specific things that that have been advocated the browns caved on one of them the fully guaranteed veteran contract going out five years into the future some teams that get guaranteed money into the third year five years fully guaranteed is unprecedented the next frontier is the cap percentage guaranteed every year of a long-term deal to a quarterback, 18%, 17%, whatever it is. So you're protected against the cap going up. They've resisted that as well, even though it's fully permitted under the CBA. That's the next frontier. That's the next. Maybe that's what Lamar Jackson wants. I don't know. But that's the next thing that a team's going to do that's going to piss off the rest of the owners because it's going to put them in a position, Miles, where they got to do the same thing.
2: Right, exactly. I mean, once you have a contract like Deshaun Watson's, the, the entire market changes. You know, that, that's not something that can just go unnoticed by the rest of the league where you have agents that are like, hey, they did that, right, for that guy. Uh, uh, our guy doesn't have that hanging over his head our guy doesn't you know has actually won more awards he's an mvp he's won a super bowl he's you know been to the playoffs x amount of times he's won x amount of playoff so like you said that when something like that happens where deshaun watson's contract is fully guaranteed for five years and 230 mil that's going to affect the rest of the league it's going to be a domino effect and so who knows maybe with the way the cap is expected to go up you know, based on uh, the new TV contracts and all that money coming in, then maybe one quarterback is going to be that guy who gets that guaranteed cap percentage as opposed to just the dollars.
0: Maybe that's what Lamar Jackson wants. I don't know. We don't know what he wants. Maybe he wants a cap percentage. Whatever it is, he needs to ask for it sooner rather than later. We need yeah. to take a break sooner rather than later. We need to take a break. Right now, Roger Goodell has spoken and he's addressed some important topics, including the aforementioned, I love saying that word, Deshaun Watson. We'll discuss that when PFTPM continues right after this. Can't be a word or word. Word or five letter. We'll be right back.
3: You've talked to some of the women involved uh, in the civil suits. Uh, will you talk to more of them, and will you also bring Deshaun to New York uh, for an interview? Uh, that's up to the investigators, Mary Kay. That's, um, that's something that um, they will make the determination of when to do that and who to do that with. They are the ones that have met with um, some of the, uh, um, the people that have information that uh, we want to know. We will seek to speak to everybody who can give us a perspective and try to get to the bottom line and and the facts.
0: Roger Goodell discussing the Deshaun Watson situation earlier today. Another tweet says, Goodell, we're looking at this seriously. Our investigators will hopefully have access to more information and that will help. An independent party will make final decision on findings. And there's... There's a, a new policy and procedure under the personal conduct policy for how this will happen. I'll put a pin in that for future shows where we actually discuss a suspension, if there is one, because there's a strange little back and forth appeal process that could help or hurt Watson. But for now, the point is the commissioner hasn't done anything and he's waiting to do something. And. The Browns are bracing for something. And under the precedent of Ben Rothsberger, if precedent doesn't matter, or if it does matter to the NFL, it often doesn't. If precedent matters, the Ben Roethlisberger case would require some sort of a suspension. Again, that's another thing that goes back 12 years to 2010. That's how long it's been. But... I don't think the NFL really cares about precedent, Miles. I think the NFL cares about doing whatever it wants to do, whenever it wants, however it wants, based upon whatever it thinks the perceived or actual PR response will be to what it does. Because all this stuff is driven by PR. The personal conduct policy is driven by PR. The idea that they have a policy that governs the private lives of players who may or may not have done something that will cause them to go to jail, may or may not have ever done anything wrong, may or may not be able to show up for work, I mean— for ninety nine point nine percent of American employers, that's between you and the justice system. that That's not our business. As long as you can show up for work, you got a job. So it's PR that forces the NFL to say, well, you know, we have to do something about somebody who does something away from work that embarrasses the shield. And that's where paid leave came from. Well, we can't have somebody who's got these pending charges, even if they're innocent until proven guilty. We can't have them playing in games. So that's where this all comes from. And the commissioner said today, Miles, one last point, and then I'll shut up for a little bit or, or a long time. It depends. Baker Mayfield may come up. But the, but the idea of paid leave, there are people in the league office who think he should be put on paid leave until the 22 mm-hmm. cases are resolved. And the commissioner sounds like he's not one of them, and he's the one who makes the final decision.
2: Right. And, I mean, we've been talking about this basically since the trade market really started to heat up for Deshaun Watson. It just appears – that he's not going to be placed on paid leave until he absolutely has to be. And so um, Kevin Stefanski was talking yesterday, and he said that, yes, he expects Deshaun Watson to be there at uh, the Browns' opening of their off-season program, which I think is on April 19th. And so if that's the case, then either the commissioner will or won't make a decision on paid leave for that, right? But that's still not necessarily practice where we're seeing him on the field, throwing a football. You know, so that would be phase three in the OTAs. And that's not until mid to late May. So there are different, you know, levels to this where Deshaun Watson may be put on paid leave for that, or they may not do it for the off program. And then if the cases are not resolved by training camp, then something else may happen there. It's going to be interesting to see how they resolve this. Certainly but it seems like they're also right now is still just this very big ongoing investigation. And what they can do right now is say that they haven't concluded it, especially because the cases are still ongoing. So as long as the cases are still ongoing, they kind of have a little bit of cover to say that their investigations are still ongoing. And that's why they have not made any decision yet on paid leave or unpaid or or not.
0: Here's the other side of it too. And, I haven't written about this yet. I've seen that someone has provided a clip of Deshaun Watson's videoed deposition. And what happens now, all of these depositions in civil cases are recorded. It's not very expensive. And then you have it available. It's one thing to read off of a transcript at trial, which is what they did back when I was practicing for the most part, although we would use video at times as well, when you can actually play the the image of the person saying the words in the prior setting when they were under oath if those words conflict with what's said at trial that can be extremely extremely powerful there's some stuff in the clip that i've seen it's just a couple of minutes one of the news stations in houston has it there's some stuff that that he's you know credibility is going to be so important in this case because it's what happened between two people in a room with no witnesses. And when you got 22 people saying something happened in that room with no witnesses, and they're all saying that something happened that they objected to. And Deshaun Watson is the guy saying, no, it didn't no, it didn't no, it didn't 22 times. There's a point where you got to be, I think miles pristine in your overall perception for telling the truth about everything. And there was a little exchange there where, where, Tony Busby asked Deshaun Watson as to one of the people that he retained for a massage, did you think she was attractive? And they went back and forth a little bit. He eventually said, well, I have a girlfriend, so I don't have an opinion. And look, the average person is going to roll their eyes at that, especially when we know from his lawyer, Rusty Harden, who admitted in the early stages of this controversy last year, that some of these massage sessions became consensual sexual encounters. So my broader point is that there's still a lot out there that needs to be said and done and digested. And there can be one particularly problematic deposition, one bad afternoon for DeSean Watson that makes Roger Goodell see that and say, yeah, we can't let him play until these cases are resolved. Because the clip I saw, and I'm trying to be, look, I'm trying to be objective. Anytime I say anything, I hear, oh, you're being unfair to Deshaun. Look, I'm being, I'm trying to be fair to the facts. And that clip I saw today made me think he was trying a little bit, he's under oath. And he's trying a little bit hard to play games with the lawyer. And, you know, just there's certain things. And I used to counsel my clients on this all the time. You just got to tell the truth. And don't worry about admitting something that may hurt the case. That's for me to worry about. All you worry about is telling the truth. And I saw that in Deshaun. He's thinking, boy, if I say that I thought she was attractive, it's going to hurt the case. So I'm going to say, well, I have a girlfriend. Well, then what are you doing having consensual sex with massage therapists that haven't sued you? So that's where the whole thing falls apart. And uh, that's where the price goes up to settle the case. Because when it's time to go to trial, a skilled lawyer is going to be able to sell a jury on the fact that something happened. Um, That's my concern for Deshaun Watson. And as it relates to the NFL, if they give that objective kind of 30,000 foot view of it, they they may get concerned as well about the possibility of letting him play while these cases are unresolved because he could be walking into a jackpot of uh, verdicts against him in multiple of these cases if his credibility becomes something that can be torn down
2: yeah, that's that's something that kind of resonated with me too, from that one clip that was uh, presented by that that Houston news station was when he was asked, "Did you find her attractive?" And it says, "I have a girlfriend, and it's like, well, I mean, how many times have anybody said, you know, if they're with somebody, they're not dead, right You still have eyes. So I don't necessarily know why he would think like that's absolutely going to be the best answer in that situation, or that even that is really an answer in the circumstances that doesn't necessarily apply, right? So it's basically a yes or no question. I have a girlfriend is not yes or no. It doesn't quite really answer the question. So I think what you're saying about the credibility there, it, it makes a lot of sense.
0: You know, it's funny. I still have stress dreams that I'm practicing law and there's a case that I had completely forgotten about and I hadn't done anything about it and I'm about to get in trouble for it and just like weird things like that. But 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 one nightmare that I lived when I was practicing law. I had a client one time who thought that it was his job to say what he thought he needed to say to help the case. And I had to eventually say, We're taking a break. And I had to drag him outside by his shirt collar and I had to say, Listen, you are blowing this all because you think you're the lawyer. You're not the lawyer, you're the witness. <laughs> You tell the truth in response to every question. You let me deal with whatever. that I'm prepared to deal with the truth. I know what the truth is. Don't get in there and feel like you got to engage in sword play with the lawyer. And that tells me Deshaun Watson wasn't properly prepared. All due respect, I don't want to get any hostile texts or phone calls, but if the, if the witness is properly prepared, he doesn't play that game because playing that game is going to cause the case to blow up in his face. And moments like this, Make me miss practicing law and they make me even wow. more happy that I don't practice law. There you go. All there at the same is. time, Miles. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, I mean, but this goes to something that you were talking about in those lead up in the lead up to those meetings that he was going to take with the Falcons, the Saints, the Panthers, and the Browns, right? You said that if he I were his lawyer. I would want my client to be solely focused on these depositions because they are that important. I wouldn't want him meeting with teams and trying to decide what his football future is going to be because this has to take precedent because this has to be first, because this is your life, right? It's not just your football future. So I think that makes sense based on what we've seen.
0: And I'm glad you remember that because I'd forgotten you are walking into an experience that isn't like anything you've ever endured in your life and you need to be ready for it and you need to understand how to deal with it it's not enough for me to say i believe my client go ahead go ahead go 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 uh Into the lion's den. Have fun in there with a lawyer who's been doing it for 30 years and knows how to twist and turn and bait you into doing these things that will end up creating a transcript that you look at later as a lawyer and say, what the hell can I do with this other than settle the case? Let's take a break. More from Goodell at the league meetings when PFTPM continues right after this.
3: Roger, in the name of uh, transparency, public confidence, what's the value of having a written report released publicly in relation to the Brian Flores lawsuit, and particularly the the um, charges against Stephen Ross and the allegations pertaining to the Rooney Rule, potential violations, a written report released to, to the public? Well. Um I I guess I'd have to talk uh, to our people about that in one context, which is this is a litigation issue. Uh, it's not an investigation, it's a litigation matter. So it'll be resolved in the context of litigation. That's not that's not where I'm focused on it. Our attorneys obviously will be focused on that. I'm focused on what do we do to try to understand the issues that Brian's raised uh, that we all know and the ones that he would obviously be able to raise for us and try to see what we can do to address those issues. Yeah, but the the, the charges against Ross, not so much... The legal matter, I mean, that's a question of NFL integrity, if you talk, oh, well, about it. Yes, on, on, on matters of integrity of the game, if, if we see something that's a violation, uh, we will certainly make that public, yes.
0: Here's the problem, and I'll try to make this as simple as possible. When you have a specific claim that is made against someone in management, that something happened that violates someone's legal rights and also from a more broad perspective, is something that undermines the very integrity of the business. The business is in a tough spot because job number one for the business isn't going all the way down the rabbit hole of potential misconduct and holding the manager responsible. Job number one is circling the wagons and minimizing the risk to someone on the outside. That's their main focus here. Their main focus is winning the case. That's where... It's very easy to lose sight of what the NFL's real motivation is. So Mary Jo White comes in to handle the investigation. Mary Jo White, who has been around four or five times now, which tells me she keeps telling the NFL what they want to hear from her through these investigations, and is that cynical? Yes. Is it also accurate? Probably. That's how it works in the corporate world. You have a sense of what your client wants you to find when you're doing an independent investigation. And the last thing the NFL wants to do is reach a conclusion in the Stephen Ross allegation about deliberate tanking that makes Brian Flores' lawsuit more viable. That, that, that's, that, that's They don't want to do that. They just right. don't want to do it. Now, it won't matter if they manage to push the whole Brian Flores case into arbitration. Maybe maybe that's the best outcome for the NFL to do the right thing as it relates to whether or not Ross engaged in wrongdoing. But their, their main focus, Miles is defending against that lawsuit, not investigating and potentially punishing Stephen Ross. They'll do that after the Flores lawsuit's over.
2: Well, yes, but I mean, at the same time, that's that's mentioned in the lawsuit. So isn't that a part of the lawsuit anyway? Yes,
0: yes. But but see, that's the thing. So any investigation they do while the lawsuit is pending is far less likely to come to the conclusion that he did exactly what he's accused of doing because then that gets used against you in the lawsuit. They're better off just letting the lawsuit be the investigation don't force it to arbitration let it play out in a federal court let the truth come out there have a truly independent party determining who did what and when and then you punish ross based upon the verdict in that case that's the best thing to do but they lose all control over it if they do that
2: well of course i mean but that would at least give them cover if they do say like listen we bro you did what he accused you of doing you gotta go Right, and that's not just coming from us. That's that's you know a federal court case that's saying that. So I I guess that from that perspective, at least it makes sense to me that that's a way that they would want to go if they feel like Stephen Ross has done the things that he was accused of. Right, if they are really focused on vigorously defending against those charges. And they feel like they can prove to a reasonable extent, you know, as much as they need to, that Stephen Ross did not do what he was accused of. Then it's like, okay, well, we can have more control over this. Am I making sense or no?
0: You are making sense. Here's the point. Here's the point. I believe Stephen Ross's defense is going to be. I was joking. In the absence of litigation, the commissioner's response to that very well may be, sure, Jan. With litigation, (laughs) the response is, you know what, court? Stephen Ross was joking. So no liability to Brian Flores. That's the difference. That's the difference. They have every reason to believe and support Ross when a lawsuit hinges on whether or not Ross did it. Uh, The commissioner also said some things about Daniel Snyder. I'll write something about it tonight. We'll talk about it tomorrow on PFT Live. Bottom line is he's in trouble too, obviously, because there's another accusation against him that came up after the Beth Wilkinson investigation Mary Jo White. Good year for Mary Jo White. Good billings. Cost-insensitive client as Jones Day used to tell us back when I was grinding away younger than Miles, ambitious young lawyer. In the library billing those hours, baby. You want those clients that won't even blink. Won't even bat an eye at a $70,000 bill per month. So, Mary Jo White, good good for you. Well done. Big money, no we're whammies from Mary Joe White this year. All right, more clapping. Let's take a break. Uh, PFTPM mailbag. When PFTPM continues right after this.
1: I just—if uh, you recite Gino, do you feel like you would, would need to add another veteran quarterback? Or we, I'm, we are totally in, in, in that mentality that, that the fourth guy may be impo- important to us, and uh, for the long haul of how it takes. So we're uh, we're definitely still in the quarterback business.
0: They are in the quarterback Ooh. business. That leads to our first question. At SP Demand, are the Hawks really going to roll out Drew Locker, Geno Smith, who currently isn't under contract for week one? They aren't. They, 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 I mean, come on. I think they're going to end up with Baker Mayfield after the draft if they don't draft somebody. Maybe they'll draft Baker, somebody if they don't. Mayfield. I think they end up with Baker Mayfield.
2: Baker Mayfield. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, it makes sense to send him to Seattle, right? I mean, it would make more sense for them maybe to have Jimmy Garoppolo, but you're not going to get him from the San Francisco 49ers. So the Niners would have to cut him. And I feel like they would go after Baker Mayfield for, you know, low round pick. Maybe the Browns have to kick in some of that salary, but I just feel like it's we're on a collision course for Baker Mayfield to be the starting quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks.
0: Yeah. And, Sims makes the point that based upon the way Garoppolo has played against the Seahawks, the Seahawks probably wouldn't want Garoppolo, even if he was available. Brad Dugan, 87. Who will be the starting quarterback for the Panthers in 2022? Look, you had Matt Rule talking up Sam Darnold today, but I remember Matt Rule telling us face-to-face in February of 2020, I can't wait to coach Cam Newton. Not that he was talking about cutting him and then re-signing him the following year. He was talking about that year, so who knows? I think they're going to draft somebody, and they're going to try to get that guy ready for week one, Miles.
2: I totally agree with you. I think there's a reason why they're, you know, very behind apparently all of the Steelers meetings with these young QBs before their pro days. And it's like, oh no, the Steelers got another one before us. So they're all trying to have dinner. But I, yeah, I think it's very clear that after the Panthers didn't get Deshaun Watson, they have pivoted now to trying to draft a young QB and bringing that guy up as their franchise guy. They need somebody to be that franchise guy and they're going to hope to find him, I guess, in the first round. So we'll see if it works out for him. But I mean, to answer the question, Sam Darnold might be the week one starter.
0: You don't know what the guy who's a rookie is going to do for you. That's right. And you got Sam Darnold at $18.8 million. And they're not even engaged in the facade like the 49ers and the Browns of, well, we'll you know, we're going to maybe trying to trade. They know. They know. <laughs> they know they got no chance. To trade Sam Darnold, and they did it last year where they paid all that money in Teddy Bridgewater's salary for him to play for someone else. We'll just keep him here and let him be the backup if we do draft somebody. We are out of time. Miles Safe travels from Florida. Everybody, I'll see you tomorrow morning for PFT Live.